Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. This is Friday, August the 5th, 2016. We are on day five of our 10-day food fund forgiveness and work, and things are rocking right along. Run into a few glitches, but for the most part, it is going good. Our calling number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. First thing I want to do, because I'm in an odd place on the property, is check out and see how my sound is. Am I coming through clearly, sweetheart? It's echoing a little bit, but you're very, uh, you're clear enough to understand. Okay, good, good. Well, the uh, the focus of uh, of my thoughts for today actually comes from our Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop last night. We're doing the extended version. Let's see, uh, this is the third. We'll be going into our fourth night and uh, covering why is this happening to me again. And the thing that comes across clearly, you know, 2,000 years ago, Yeshua said you had to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Otherwise, you could not understand or utilize the tools that he was offering. And a, a big part of this process of healing is the undoing of the blocks and the incorrect programming that we've had regarding especially forgiveness it's such a huge piece of the puzzle and so the the there's a there's a line in the lord's prayer or what's called the lord's prayer which of course isn't a prayer it's just an instruction set uh that says carve out a space in me for your wholeness and so a major part of the work is to carve out those spaces in ourselves so that proper understanding can take place you go back and years, you know, 2,000 years ago, they were talking about how, you know, the understanding of men uh, was no comparison with the understanding that went with the true creation in the creator. And, and so it is. And so the, the building of the brain cells, when, when Yeshua says you've got to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, he's saying you've got to have the correct information firing within you in order for your mind to produce an accurate perceptual reality. And so the ongoing engagement with the tools is what it takes to create those brain cells so that the next aha moment can come, the next 
opening can occur and the next level of really truly experiencing ourselves as the active presence of love and really living as the active presence of love is key. So that's kind of the focus, and we invite you to continue to participate. If you've not engaged in the forgiveness process, we invite you to go to our website, whyagain.org. In the upper left-hand corner, first words on the page say, start here, click, start here, and it'll open a whole series of links. There are at least, I think now, 17 different radio shows where we've walked somebody through the whole forgiveness process, step-by-step through the whole wake-up sheet. And each one of those sheets, I I suggest if you are really interested in learning how to remove the generational pain, trauma, fear, rage, guilt, grief, that you sometimes say to yourself, where did this come from? It's in our genes, and the removal process is called forgiveness. If you really want to understand that process, then I suggest you listen to, you make a plan, and, you know, whether you put it on your phone and spend an hour a day listening to the, the guidance for people going through those worksheets. Each one is a unique situation, a unique individual, and a different slant, different questions in the healing process, and therefore leads to building different brain cells to come to new levels of understanding. And so that's our invitation if you, um, if you look on any page on our website, you'll see on the right-hand side are all the social media links. If you click on the bottom link, which is a little red square with an arrow in it, that'll take you to our YouTube channel. Check out the uh, icon that is a, a picture of the world, and the title of it is ACIM, What is the World? What is Forgiveness? That will go a long way towards helping to build the brain cells. Then look for the cover of my book, blue with red and gold lettering on it, an icon, and the title of that second video, and I think it's 52 minutes, or pardon me, I think it's uh, 23 minutes long or 24 minutes long. And that one starts out and says PowerPoint. Watch those two. Then the third one to look for, I believe, is the 52-minute video, which is the first hour of the new Why Is This Happening to Me Again? Those three things along with the radio shows that, uh, that uh, particularly focus on the worksheets, will really hand you a tool which will allow you to go to depth in your own process and change your life in ways that are unimaginable. And uh, is Dr. Tim with us today? He is, and he's on. Awesome. Well, Dr. Tim, I'm wondering, aside from what you have to share today, if it would work for you, I'm actually in the, in my, uh, up to my elbows in uh, uh, air conditioning uh, debris. Our air conditioner in the uh, heart center kitchen stopped uh, this uh, yesterday afternoon. And so I've got it all apart, and I'm covered in gook and muck and... <laughs> Oh, I'm quite a sight right now. But anyway, I'm wondering because the air, the uh, they're doing, you know, with it being uh, food fund forgiveness and work, we're doing some cooked food, so the ovens are on, and the kitchen's getting pretty hot. So I'm wondering if I could hand this off to you while I go down, unless somebody has a quick a quick question for me, while I get this air conditioner fixed and back in place, and so that uh, the folks in the kitchen can cool down. That would be fine. I'm here and available. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Well, Jeannie, uh, is there anybody with a hand up that might have a question for me or anything in the chat room? Otherwise, I'm going to uh, go back to the air conditioner and get that back so that the kitchen can uh, can be more livable. 
go right on. Nobody has a hand up, and chat room's quiet right now. All right, sweetie. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tim. We appreciate you. And uh, if you get a chance later today, I'd love to have a chat. I sent you a text to maybe check it, and we'll get to have a chat before the evening if we can. Sounds good. All right, sir. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. So, Jeannie. All right. Yes. How the heck are you? <laughs> well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, processing, too. Um, I actually put, did a quite lengthy post on Facebook this morning. I saw and that. So you did? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. And Michael just disconnected his host. Hold on a second. Let me make sure this keeps going here. All right. Um yeah, so it's, uh, you know, we got back here, and, of course, the people that are doing the food fund forgiveness work um, weren't supposed to arrive until Monday. And so we got back, well, we started working last Thursday, Friday, and then Michael and I went Friday night to Springfield to get food Saturday morning early at the farmer's market, and then came back and started back in on it again on Sunday. So uh, there was like three days that I had put eight to nine hours a day into trying to get, trying to, I did get (laughs) um, things in order. And so I'll just read what I wrote on Facebook for those who aren't connected with me and may not have seen it. So I said, uh, we're on day five of our food fund forgiveness and work program here at Heartland. We do work projects during the day and have class in the evenings. We have a great group and they're doing their own process. And I didn't say this on Facebook, but uh, when we're doing the Why Workshop, it's also open to people in the community to come for free. And and so we've had this, uh, the first night we had four or five people come, and the second night we had four or five different ones. And and then, but this one young lady has come every night, and she is just like really getting it and really tapping into it. So, but we've got a really good group that's, you know, going through the process and the worksheet has taken, like Michael said, this will be our fourth night and we're not finished with it yet. It's just been a lot of process around it. And one of the issues that came up was of not being enough. And that's practically a universal thing. So then I wrote in Facebook, I said, I remember about the age of four or five thinking that just being me wasn't enough. And I became a human doer, always doing in order to please others and to gain their approval I confused approval for love. I realize I'm still a doer, even though in my head I know better. And I still think that that's not enough. And this doing is exhausting physically and mentally. And so Julie, she's been like my right-hand lady. And and so she asked me the other day before the guests arrived, she said, why was I working so extremely hard? And I said, I didn't want the guests to arrive to a cabin that was less than what I would want to stay in. And I didn't want Ari to arrive to an unorganized kitchen. At that time, I didn't know Ari was going to be three days late getting here. So I was really fixing the kitchen for myself because I ended up being the cook for three days. Um, But uh, Julie pointed out to me and she said, you know that you're a rescuer, that Um, I was putting myself out and wearing myself out so that others wouldn't experience a little bit of discomfort. And then she asked me why. And my immediate thought, followed by tears, which I can feel emotion starting now too, um, 
was that I rescued people because nobody rescued me. So that's a good breath, but slow it down. This isn't a commercial radio show where we have to make sure there's no dead air space. Breathe into it. And as another layer comes up in your awareness, just let us know how we can support you in that. Um, I also realized when I say nobody rescued me, I never let anybody know I needed rescuing. Good. Breathe into that. So these interactions, these events actually happened in your life when you were younger. Right. And you, as an agent in your own life at that time, without realizing it, you interpreted those events and you chose a response. And your interpretation of those events and your choice of response was a very powerful, active part in how not only you experienced it in the moment, but how the interactions unfolded. Then the next day, the next month, the next year. So just breathe into, wow, I just got in touch with the fact that I chose not to let people know that I needed support. And then you can just sit with what were the beliefs, the dynamics, the fears that were going on in you at that age that helped you reach that conclusion. Um, And as you look at... As you look at those and dismantle them, it will give you different options for being gentle with yourself and your memory of how you were at that age and more gentle with yourself today. What were you going to say? Um, It's probably um, a fear of rejection or being told no or that they didn't have time. Um. What I said on Facebook was that it would put them out, quote, unquote, and I wouldn't do that to anyone either. And I realized I continue to do it. I mean, I do it all the time. I've done it for 60 years now. as I continue my process I want to set a new goal for myself Well, and, and breathe and think about this where did you get that at such a young age you got it through the energetics the energy patterns you inherited and the genetics you inherited if you stop now and look back Isn't it reasonable to think that this is a cross-generational pattern in your family? Oh, where yeah. People, people <laughs> were sure. either They were either on one side or the other of it. They were the takers and manipulators and abusers, or they were the givers, and they gave past any reasonable point 
So just breathe into that. And that can help you cancel even more goals, even a wider range of goals for yourself when you were that young and for yourself today. And I did make a breakthrough after that. Um, and it's still a process. I'm still not there, but um, I think it was the next day. And I had prepared lunch, and I was beginning to prepare dinner. And there were two ladies that had already gotten here. And there were supposed to be three other people show up by dinner. And so the two ladies already had projects to do, and that was to attempt to get the heart center ready so that when everybody got there, Michael could teach class. So I was alone in the kitchen, and so the lunch dishes were still laying there, and I was preparing dinner. And (laughs) actually, Gail's probably listening. She called me, and she said, do you have just a minute? And I said, no. (laughs) And then two other people actually called and said, you know, can we talk or can we have a session or whatever? And I'm like, no. (laughs) But um, I had thought that I would be finished about 15 till 5. Everybody was supposed to show up at 5.30. And at 15 till 5, I still had, like I said, dishes piled to the ceiling and still had a couple dressings to do and one salad about halfway done. I was up to my elbow and kale, and I called Michael, and I said, I need help. I said, you've got to come down here. I said, I can't do it. I'm not going to make it. And he came down, and he washed dishes, and and about 15 till 6, the people still weren't here yet. And I said, I've got to go take a shower and change clothes. And I left the kitchen with one of the ladies making the last dressing and Michael washing dishes. And afterwards, I told Julie, I said, you'd be proud of me. I said, I asked for help. (laughs) So... That was um, a big step. Um, and I wasn't well, rejected. So it was like, you know, my uh, made-up belief. Well, well but here, here's the point. Even if someone had gotten angry at you and rejected you, you were still doing the right thing and you didn't cause them to reject you. This is the fundamental observation in this work. You know, I'm, I hand out to people in my therapy sessions and have for decades now a list of observations. And the number four observation on the list is I can only be responsible for and control my own emotions and reactions. I can't control or be responsible for the emotions and reactions of anybody else no matter how hard I try. So if you ask for help and someone is triggered from that interaction with you to reject you or be angry at you, you didn't cause their anger and you didn't cause them to reject you, and that's an important part to unravel in your belief system. So there's a there's a there's a trigger, there's a false trap to fall into that says, "Oh, look, look how good it is. I did this And look, they didn't abandon me. So now I'm going to try and prove to myself from that interaction or a series of interactions 
that it's okay. Well, there there's a trap there because what if the next time you need to ask for help and it's the right thing to do and you have good limits and you're being respectful to yourself and others, it happens to trigger an issue for somebody else and their rage or their abandonment issues come up and they attack you or run away from you, then using that logic you're going to say, oh, look, I did cause this in them. I did cause them to run away. So what we're advocating people do is observe this process at a more fundamental, pure observation level all the way to the roots and understand I can only create my own emotions and reactions, and I do it with the choice of my thoughts. And everybody else is creating their emotions and reactions, and they do it with the focus and the choice of the focus of their thoughts. So when I'm holding a belief or a fear that says, if I ask for help, I might cause people to move away from me, The only path to liberty for me in that moment is owning it, breathing into it, and asking to be shown how to dismantle the roots of that false belief. And if I'm ready to take it to the next level, I can actually do a full-blown worksheet. (laughs) Yeah, I did a lot of those uh, the last few days. And I told Julie, I said, you know, I can tell that there's been a lot of progress because in years past I've done the exact same thing and been more in frustration. And we've been able to laugh and, and you know, carry on. And, and even though it's been hard and sweating and, and dirty and everything, it's still we've been able to laugh about it and been in a better space. And so I said, you know, she and I both have really moved forward a lot in that area. But then it's still like, why do we do this again? <laughs> you know, we're doing this every year. But uh, this was like, a, a good like one a for good me, just title. her simple. Yeah. <laughs> why do we do this again? Yeah, that sounds like a good book title. <laughs> oh, but uh, when she just asked that question, you know, she said you're a rescuer and then she said why and it just kind of like opened up a whole new level and there's been a couple of people respond to the Facebook post and I said you know we teach best what we most need to learn I should be able to teach this one real well (laughs) but my new goal that I set for myself at the end of my Facebook post I put I will just be me and I let go, and then I put it in parentheses, at least for this moment. You know, it's like every every day, every moment, it's kind of like starting over again. But I let go of the need to prove myself or my worth by doing. And I hold that that's going to be enough for everyone. And likewise, I'm going to allow everyone else to just be, and that's going to be enough for me. So well, that is good, what I am working on today. <laughs> that's a good goal if, as you set it and breathe into it, you're feeling loving and calm and centered. And if you set that goal and breathe into it, you feel anything less than loving and calm and centered, you can do some worksheets around that. Or 
change the goal for that worksheet, you could then just make the commitment to do some specific number of worksheets in the next day or two to dismantle some of the upset or the negative emotion that comes up around that goal. Right. Because that's a pretty lofty goal, just to be okay with who you are. That's why I put in parenthesis for the moment anyway. <laughs> right, because, like... because of your family history and the genetics that you're working through and the energetics you're working through. So remember the thing about if I set a goal that I can't accomplish in the next 24-hour period or waking period, I'm creating an unnecessary stress. I'm, cre- I'm setting myself up to fail. I'm setting myself up to feel extra stress that doesn't get resolved. So that's why we encourage people, especially in support group, to set a goal that after they set it, they write it and they breathe into it, they feel loving in the moment, and or they set a goal about a specific number of worksheets or tapping sessions or breath sessions or writing a letter to somebody kind of thing that they can accomplish in the next day or two so then they just feel that calm and that peace and they, oh yeah I can do that and they're feeling balanced and centered and loving even though they understand they're probably going to get triggered in a set of issues again in the next few days so they don't set a goal right. we, we, we're constantly encouraging people to, to set goals that they can accomplish. Well, if I set the goal to be done with this and to be okay with myself just as I am, well, I'm not. If I have generations of family patterns around this, I'm not likely to step into that today or tomorrow. So, if that's my goal at the end of a worksheet, I'm probably going to create unnecessary, unresolvable stress for myself. Good point. And if I say, well. I have a long family history with this. I've been doing it myself for 20 or 30 years. So here's my goal. I'm going to commit to in the next day or two to do a worksheet a day or two worksheets a day on the upset I have around the fact that I'm not perfect at this yet. That's good. I actually haven't ever set a goal to do worksheets. (laughs) I mean, when we do the the mind goal management you know and we say that we're going to do you know five worksheets a day or whatever but to do a wake-up sheet and have a goal that i'm going to do wake-up sheets that's that's good well and we have we have noticed in our tuesday support group and now again on thursdays that when we encourage people to set those specific goals that they can get accomplished in the next day or two or three or week, when they breathe into it afterwards, they're in a very different, more comfortable position energetically than when they set the goal to be loving towards somebody that they're still raging at or they're still upset that this person ripped them off in this business deal or they're still upset that this person dumped them and ran off with somebody else. Whereas if we get them to make a specific goal to do a measurable action, whether it's tapping, breath sessions, worksheets, writing a letter that they, you know, whether the responsibility communication tool, 
they have a whole different, more solid, more calm, energetic response. And that makes a lot of sense. That goes along with Magda had brought up uh, something, I think it was last year, um, or it may have been during the year on the radio show, I can't remember, but uh, she said that, you know, it was like this big realization to her that when we reset that goal at the end of the worksheet, that goals are supposed to be achievable within the next 24 or next waking period, not just 24 hours, but the next waking period. And that it was something that you either had to accomplish or you had to cancel. And so how many wake-up sheets have we done? And we've not accomplished that last goal, and so we've not canceled them, and so those are still running. So that makes sense because that would be something that would be achievable in the next waking period. So thank you very much for that input. I'll add that to the end of my Facebook when we get off. (laughs) Good point. All right, so how are you feeling as the helper who's committed to changing that pattern one piece at a time? (laughs) Good. A lot better. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so do we have anybody with questions or comments about all of this wonderful processing you're doing? I have had three texts come through with people either saying, I'm holding the space, or thanks for sharing, or that's me too, or... um, I'm a rescuer too. Thanks for sharing this. So I've gotten several responses just while I've been talking. So if somebody would like to press one and add your input, we don't have any hands up, and there's uh, in the chat room lights in there, and and just said that uh, she was breathing and holding the space for me. And uh, thank you very much. And uh, but nobody has a hand up. So if you press one, either with a question or a comment or Okay, we have a hand that just went up. 417, you're on the air. Who do we have? Hey, Jeannie, this is Julie. Hey, (laughs) thank you very much for my awesome trigger. (laughs) Well, I want to acknowledge you, uh, and uh, Tim, great job for processing Jeannie out. I think that was wonderful. Jeannie could use that support. And, Tim, I'll tell you what, if you come to Heartland during uh, Food Fund and Forgiveness, you will never realize what it's like until you're here <laughs> and all your stuff is triggered and uh, in your face and, and there's tons of responsibilities and things like that. And even having the thought of wanting to do a worksheet, and as you know, Tim, I've done plenty of them. Um, sometimes you're just so tired that, you know, all you want to do is go to bed. Right, Jeannie? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you've been on the whole time. I told them, I said, you've been my right-hand person, and and that at least you and I have been able to laugh and do it lighter this year than we've been doing in the past. Yes, we we really have. And, you know, and and I acknowledge your lightness and your willingness and your just your love that you offer and you bring to everything, Jeannie. So, you know, and it's been another uh, huge undertaking. And uh, what I'd like to say is, when I write number, whatever the last, you know, we call it a goal, well, I almost look at that last number of 7 or 11, depending on what worksheet, you know, there's even one with a 12-step, is a new vision for my, um, you know, I'm looking at the way I see it and the way I want it to be, and I go, you know, that's really not working. And when I cancel my goal, I collapse that whole structure in my mind. But then I look at it and say, okay, you know, my mind tends to focus on what I don't want, what is it that I do want, 
And I look at it more like as a vision statement for number 11 or number 7. It's like, okay, I have a new vision here for where I'm going. And I'm a creator, and I do have a say in my life. And I think that you become so aware, like I have become aware of my repeated patterns of behavior. And I think part of that was an indoctrination process with our power people. You know, like, you know, you will do this, and you do it. And you see responsibility, and you do it. Um, So... Um, instead of number seven just being just a goal, um, maybe taking a look at it as, okay, you know, you know, I need a new vision here. Instead of, you know, continuing to do the, I call it kiss-ass behavior or the stuck-up behavior or the I have to do this to get pleased or I have to, you know, get approval. Instead of all of that, what would be a new vision, you know, um, for you and I, and I think that's what you're working on, not necessarily just a new goal. When we, we've processed, and I think that you are working on looking at your life differently and beginning to say, okay, you know, I've focused on the negative here, and I want to focus on the positive. What would I like to see happen in the future at Heartland when I come? Yeah. Yeah, so so calling it a vision, Dr. Tim, does that change it from a, a goal so that it's not something then that we have to do in 24 hours? Well, if we can make that definition for ourselves, that's what's important. You know, the word is doesn't hold the meaning. So let me let me just start by saying, Julie, it's great to hear you again. Uh, I've missed you on the show. At one point, I thought you were going to start calling in regularly on Mondays, and so welcome back. Oh, thank then, you. Thank and, you. And, and then the other thing I would say is, <clears throat> if I create a definition for this is my vision for the future, and I say that in place of setting a goal, then that's how it's going to act in my mind because that's how I'm creating the definition. The word doesn't hold the meaning. We've had this discussion several times. And what I like to go for and try and coach people to go for, I go for it myself and I coach people to go for it, is how do I feel at the end of it? So if I say I'm going to have this goal or and make it be specific so I can accomplish it in the next day or two or week, and then I make the commitment to make that happen, does that feel good? Fine. If I say I'll do that and have a vision or I don't want to put the thing about a goal in there and I'm going to hold a vision, my test for that would be that the proof's in the pudding. How do I feel afterwards? And then how does that lead to the progression in my growth day-to-day worksheet to worksheet? That's all I would be concerned about. And I think that that's quite possibly a good solution. You know, in my working with others, I have found that that is extremely, it brings up such joy. Within the worksheet, though, it does ask you, you know, if you've shifted your perception, you know, it depends on which number it is. It's how do you feel at the end, you know, say, how do I feel and how do I, how do I, um, well, let me see, this one, I have one that's in, you know, from the book, and it says here, I feel, uh, I now feel, and I can see that. And that's where you can see whether you need to continue to work on what your issue is. And then, of course, once you've done that, you can see, well, do I need to do more worksheets around this and, you know, to do more healing of the 
of the goals that create the vibration. Um, and then once that's been shifted, I think writing something new, um, I also put in when I write something new, um, I always repeat the whole number, 11. So it's, so when after I've written my new vision, I go back and I say, I'm grateful and join with 11 you and whatever the trigger was of myself. And then I say, I acknowledge us for choosing truth perfect love and I enthusiastically create and offer that and then I write a vision you know a new bringing those the way I see it and the way I want it to be because that's where stress is created together to um, as a creator and saying okay now that I'm conscious of this and I've done my healing about it I feel good you know this is good I feel at peace with it and now what would I like to create it just seems to shift the energy for the people that I am working with in fact, I'm working with Michael's niece in Canada, and once we started working on this new vision, she's like in so joy. She's just, she goes, oh, I never had that thought that I could even go there. So I, I, th- I just think it's like offering joy to people. Like, you know, you are a creator, and you can choose another thought process. Well, I absolutely agree, and again, the proof's in the pudding. When when you get people who get tapped into the joy, I think now you've accomplished something worthwhile. Yep. Because the more they can be tapped into that energy, the more positive things are going to start happening in their lives. And when you do that two-prong approach, helping people tap into joy and helping them dismantle the upset, it's I think it's an unbeatable combination. Right. Yeah, I I certainly, you know, I mean, I've been touched by the the growth that some of the people have made. And, again, they've changed their focus and actually have given them the liberty to to even think that they can think differently, <laughs> you know, because the mind is, like, as, as Michael was talking about last night, it's all about what you don't want, not about what you do want. And if you give people the option that you can have a choice of focusing on what you do want once you've healed all the vibrational stuff that's created what you don't want or whatever's in your field. Yeah, well, it reminds me of what I was saying in the intro yesterday that if I haven't been introduced to the possibility, all that's going to happen is the replay of what I've learned from my parents, what I got from the generations, and what my culture teaches me. And that's how I can be so compartmentalized as to be absolutely insane and illogical and and be raging about a past event in my life. And then then the next sentence, talking about how lucky I am to have this or this or this in my life. And, And I couldn't have this in my life if that thing that I'm raging about in my past hadn't happened. And yet I can compartmentalize it completely if I haven't been introduced to a way of thinking about it that says, wait a minute, life is happening for me, not to me. And my choice of how to interpret and respond to events is far more important to my experience of life than the actual events themselves. Once that's introduced to me and I'm willing to start practicing that and observing in my life, the possibilities open up in a way they they simply can't otherwise. I, 
How are you, Jeannie? I am doing good. I'm just sitting here. I feel very mellow right now. And uh, I was just thinking, Michelle actually just texted me, you know, we're going to be doing a, a women's four-day at Michelle's place September 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th. And she said she's getting texts from her clients who are listening to the show and are just like it's bringing stuff up for them and they're just all kinds of things. And I was like, my first thought was, oh, I hope I'm not scaring them off from coming to the women's intensive. But anyone who has been to any of my women's uh, workshops or intensives, um, you know, I'm right there with you. Uh, There's been times where I'm cool through the whole thing and, and just supporting other people. And then there's times where my stuff comes up just like it did uh, yesterday and today, and and they're there supporting me. That's why I call it women healing women, because we're just all there holding the space as we each go through, and it's things that we each have experienced at some time or other, and to be in that loving support of other women. So, if you're interested in that, we're already we have room for four more residential, and I think six more commuters. So if you're interested in going to the intensive September the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, um, it'll be a powerful four days. I guarantee it. (laughs) It always is. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. But you need to uh, let us know sooner than later if you're interested in being part of that. So... So, Jeannie, I've always noticed you being a level, you know, always in integrity and uh, humble, humble enough to know that you've got your journey to make, too. What you're triggering for me is that perfectionist issue we've talked about. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, I don't think anybody really expects us to be perfect, but we decide somewhere along the line that, If we're perfect, then everything will be okay. And, you know, this, your sharing, your healing process just makes you so much more awesome of a teacher and of of just a a friend. And, uh, you know, to me, I think this is a really important part when, like when I was in my classroom to say, look, I am doing the best I can, and I know that you're going to do the best you can, and I will make my mistakes, and you will make yours, and we're going to be loving about it. So it's more human, you know, humble. Right. Thank you. So, yeah, you're welcome. And I'd, you know, if, if we need to, you know, I don't want to use that speech. If we choose to do a worksheet on perfection, we could always do that. I can go find that hat that you threw away. (laughs) Michael has this, for those who haven't been to Heartland, there's this awful hat that looks like um, Dr. Seuss cat in a hat type thing and this fuzzy wig underneath it. And while we were cleaning up, the mice had actually gotten it and decided to make a home out of it. So it went in the trash can. So Michael will have to find another perfectionist hat. But (laughs) anyway, so we've got about 16 minutes. Anybody else that's on the switchboard have a comment about what the conversation has been or any question you want to ask? Press 1. You're first in line without waiting. We'll give it just a minute. And if nobody raises their hand, there was a question in class last night. And so I'll present up. A hand just went up. 760, you're on the air. Who do we have? 
Hey, it's Anne, and I'm at Heartland, and I don't know what my area code is. <laughs> Hi, Anne. Hi. I just wanted to reiterate that I was really blessed because um, Dr. Tim, you're talking about that end goal, and I'd heard you talk about that once before, about something, you know, like in 24, 48 hours. But, yeah, being um, coming from codependency, yeah, I want something that I can do immediately, and it's already fixed. And so I really appreciate that, just the one step, you know, um, make it something that I can do and not have more stress about it. So I appreciate right. that. And, yeah, I'm in there with the perfectionist thing, too, got that. And I think for me it seems like well, because that comes from, at least from the stories my mom told me, I know it comes from my grandparents as well, and who knows how many generations it goes back, but it was almost like, okay, if you're doing it perfect, then I know I've been a good girl. I, you know, since I'm an only child, okay, then I know I've been doing what mom wanted me to do. And so me learning to get out of that, and so I left some things when I left to come here. So that was awesome. Like, okay, I, you know, it's not perfect, and it's okay. And so as I... You- <laughs> I keep practicing that. It's awesome. It is freeing. So I love it. Anyway, thank you. When Anne, when you and Elizabeth got here, Julie and I both said that we had manifested our mini me's because <laughs> Julie and I both have a personal code for a certain standard, and some people might call it being a perfectionist, but. When you and Elizabeth that first day were working in the heart center, and about one o'clock, I said, "Okay, stop and take the rest of the day off." You all kept working for another three or four hours. It's like, oh my gosh, we've created more of us. <laughs> yeah, but I'm learning to listen, you know, and stop. And yeah, it might go a little bit further, but not as far. So yeah, but that's what I like about the intensive is you're around people. You know, and you get triggered up to it, but then you can talk the language. And it's not like when you're around the people that give you triggers that they don't have a clue. So, to me, that's part of the healing part. So, yes. Yeah, it's awesome to be in the space where someone can sense that you're triggered and offer you the support, just like Julie did the other day, just saying, you know, okay, why are you doing this? And we sat down on the steps in the kitchen. And so it's awesome to have that support, and you don't find that just anywhere. Yes, absolutely. So I am really grateful that I was able to do this. And my daughter is, you know, for the price, <laughs> getting, um, so that's the benefit to her. And she's been great in the kitchen with Ari. She's right, really absolutely. So that was an awesome match. And then... So I was kidding that, okay, so in my retirement, whenever, you know, whatever God has for us to build up on her property, say, you know, when I really retire, say, um, that she will have all this awesome knowledge and I will be able to stay fed well in my quote-unquote retirement. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, so I'm in the cupboard and I'm going to stop for lunch. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate all you do. And, Anne, that cupboard has never been so clean. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's one of the places I'm allowed to be detailed, right? I just have to be careful outside of the cover. Right. All right. Thanks. Right. Bye bye. So six four six two hundred four one six nine. Press one, and that puts you in queue. And we don't have another hand up right at the moment, and there's no question in the chat room. So I'm going to put out there and uh, a question that came up last night. One of the participants that was going on in her life, and more she. It's All like, right, Jeannie, you're breaking up. Oh, okay. If I move my phone this way, is that any clearer? I heard that sentence. Okay. I'll I'll hold my phone near the window. <laughs> so a lady in class last night said that she thought she was in a peaceful place around something that she was doing her worksheets on, but the more she thought about it, that she thought, well, perhaps she was just being apathetic about it. And how do you know if you're in apathy or if you're truly at peace. And Michael told her only she could answer that, but do you have anything to add to that? Well, um, generally speaking, what I would say is that my experience has been that when I'm at peace, I have an energy there's a calmness but there's energy and when i'm in apathy there's no energy there's that calmness i'm ready to go to sleep there's that calmness i want to just veg out whereas you know a lot of the spiritual traditions will say paradoxically the more i learn to accept what is the more i learn to realize less action is more the more I get done, the more the the world spirit life calls on me to do, and the more energy I have, clean, pure energy flowing through me to accomplish those things. So that would be the, the, the telltale expression for me is if I'm in apathy, I'm kind of low energy. When I'm at peace with something, I'm... I'm either able to just soak in the joy of life or to use that energy to get up and be productive in one way or another. That kind of that made me think of our conversations we've had a few weeks ago about the difference in emotions and feelings and being actually able to feel it in your body. Um, so that, that kind of goes along with that, doesn't it? It would for me, yes. Yeah, it's, you know, there's that paradox about truly spiritual enlightened person who isn't bothered by life events and who is nurtured and enlivened by life events. And yet they, the vast majority of them, don't retreat to a mountain cave. They're in the world. They're up off of their meditation pillows out in the world extending the energy of love and creation that they are. And they're probably accomplishing more, you know, in in a few hours than most people do 
in a full day of frenzied activity. Does that make that sense? Makes, that makes sense. Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. So hopefully she's on know some of the ladies are down there listening to the show, so hopefully um, she is too, and, and that will help answer her question. If not, I'll pass it on to her tonight well, or at another, lunch. There's another uh-huh. piece that just came to mind, and that is uh, years ago, about three years ago, I think, there was an Internet show I was listening back to, and I heard myself say that at that point in my development, I'd reached a point where I'd done so much work that I was spending very little time in upset or getting triggered. And I'd have a lot of life events that would happen, and I'd watch them go by, and I'd stay very focused and calm and loving, and I would note, wow, that's different. That used to trigger me like crazy. And then I realized that for some of those events, I went through them calm and focused and and with good boundaries, et cetera. And then an hour or three or 18 or 45 later, I'd still be thinking about that event. And when I would think about it, I'd still have this feeling of calm. And it finally dawned on me, you know what, Tim? You might just be hiding something from yourself. You may not have been triggered to intense upset at the time this happened, but if you're still thinking about it hours later, days later, chances are there's some good worksheets in there for you. So that's something I would add to this. If I think I'm at peace about this, and yet I keep thinking back to it, and either praising myself for how well I handled it or how much peace I felt in that or whatever or how I didn't get upset, that's a good set of targets for me for worksheets because I'm probably in denial and apathy rather than being at peace. Oh, good point. Well, it's been very productive for me as a tool. And then the other one, this came up not too long ago in one of our discussions on the phone, and that is somebody called in and said, yeah, but I thought I'd handled that issue. And I said, that's a trap every time I think I've handled something. And I'm trying to train myself to pay attention to the thoughts that go through my own mind, even if it doesn't come out of my mouth. And if I start to think, oh, I'm so glad I've handled my anger in that kind of an issue and that I don't get triggered like that anymore, it's probably my unconscious trying to tell me, Tim, there's still more work for you to do in this area. And even though I haven't been triggered, I can be preemptive and start doing worksheets on how I keep thinking about how I've handled my anger in this kind of situation or I've handled my shame or I've handled my need to be a rescuer. And I can do the worksheets on that set of issues simply because it's come back into my mind. I don't have to wait for it to get triggered in an interaction with somebody. Oh, that's a good point. And always better to to get it before it gets you in the face. So, yeah, that's a good point. And I've I've begun to use that as my my warning sign, my internal warning sign that there's work to do there if the thought pops up. Oh, Tim. 
it's so good that you've done all this work in this area and you don't get triggered like that poor person anymore. Well, that's my unconscious trying to tell me I still have work to do on that very issue. That's awesome. And I'm I'm glad to hear, uh, you know, I mean, I've always been just, you know, right out there. I don't, um, I, whatever is up for me or whatever's going on, you know, during intensives or anything, you know, I'm just like anybody else in the class. Um, but I, I recalled, and, and it just made it come to my mind, um, there was one workshop that I did, and there was actually a lady came up to me and said, oh, you don't want to ever do that again. You don't want to ever, you know, let down your, you know, your front or whatever that you're in control of this workshop or whatever. And I'm like, mm, I don't think I agree with that. And I did a lot of worksheets around that, too, because it brought up a lot of things like, you know, I should be done. I should have this under control. You know, if you're going to teach this, you're going to do workshops. You know, you you should already be done with this. And and it was like, no, I'm still in process. I don't know anybody that's done. So, well, I'm and, glad and to hear you're not done either. Well, <laughs> see, that's that, that's a, a uh, I believe that's a strong uh, unhealthy misperception, and uh, it's it's a really good prescription for a recipe for burnout you know um, I haven't read them recently but for a lot of years in the field of psychology and psychiatry the suicide statistics for that field had been far higher than most of the other fields of endeavor and one way to understand that is that people get into the field because they're finding it um, better to focus on other people's issues and easier to hide from their own. And another way to understand it is that people have somehow created the false impression that because they are the expert or the professional, they aren't supposed to have issues. So when those energies, negative emotions, triggers, issues come up, they deny and suppress them. And that's essentially like turning the heat up under the pressure cooker and closing the release, the, the safety valve. So I, I, would, I would disagree with a person who says that when you're running something, you're not supposed to show emotion. And, you know, you can hear in some of the talks on my uh, website, including the last one I gave at the Unity in, in Woodstock, you can hear me crying. You can hear me, you know, discussing the fact that I just had – strong emotions come up and I need to take a breath here because I'm the tears are up you know you can go back to the uh August 2014 internet show and hear me crying and sobbing and and catching my breath and asking Michael to give me time to breathe through something so clearly I have found it far more effective to be in the moment and honest with, at least with myself and often with others around me about what's going on with me, I get much more out of it. I process things, and I'm healthier. I agree. And we're down to about 10 seconds. So let's continue this conversation maybe on Miracle Monday. If there's any other questions, write them down and get back to us. And in the meantime, have an awesome weekend and create the best 